Welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, joined by Middle East and North Africa analyst Emily Hawthorne. Emily, welcome. Thank you, Fred. We are both on lockdown. Right. I know. I'm, I'm talking to you from my uh, living room. Well, Saudi Arabia has recently made headlines for slashing oil prices and increasing production. What's going on and what does it mean for stability at home? Yeah, I know on a recent episode of Essential Geopolitics, uh, you discussed with uh, one of our colleagues this breakdown in talks between Saudi Arabia and Russia for not being able to agree to production cuts for their oil sectors. And the breakup of that agreement that's been in place since 2016 really has seen oil prices plummet. But I wanted to talk about what this means specifically for Saudi Arabia, because Saudi Arabia does have this sort of unique ability to increase production in a way that really no other country in the world can. But this comes at a terrible time for the global economy, because you've got this dual demand and supply shock happening at once because of COVID-19. So we have to ask the question, what does this mean for Saudi Arabia over the near and the long term? Emily, what does this specifically mean for the kingdom at home? So for Saudi Arabia at home, this period of lower oil prices that looks like it's going to endure um, at least through this upcoming quarter, but, but really could endure through the end of the year, because of these lower oil prices, they're going to have to revise some of their spending. Now, Saudi Arabia is a big state-backed economy, and they really do a lot of social spending in order to keep programs in place and to keep Saudi citizens happy. Last week, the kingdom already said that they would have to reduce their spending by 5% for this upcoming year, but that they would really try to maintain a lot of social programs. So that could help maintain political stability and social stability. But it does mean that they're going to have to delay some of the plans related to the big Vision 2030 economic reform program. So that poses questions for what could that mean politically? And what does that mean for the royal family? Well, exactly. So that's the question we have to ask is, okay, if you see some of those Vision 2030 reform programs paused or delayed or just a slower implementation, does that have any sort of toll for Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who has been the face of those uh, Vision 2030 reform promises and programs? Things like, okay, we're going to balance the kingdom's budget by 2023, which that seems unlikely based on this current situation with oil prices. But I really don't think that this means we see a weakening of Mohammed bin Salman's political power. You know, we just saw another rash of royal family arrests and arrests of Kiri princes and security officials. And this really helps show that the crown prince really is still very much in charge, even if some of his decisions don't totally sit well with the rest of the royal family. What do you make of the recent arrests? I think that some of the recent arrests and, you know, we've seen really since November 2017 was the really prominent series of arrests um, where we saw royal family members and business leaders held in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Riyadh. And we've had a, a couple other instances of, of these anti-corruption arrests where the government has arrested people for vague reasons, but presumably for not aligning with the economic plans of the government. I think these arrests really show that Mohammed bin Salman is in charge and that he has a very specific plan for how he wants the economy to work, how he wants domestic investors and business people and royal family members to participate in the economy. He does not want people to be engaging in any sort of activity that doesn't totally align with his viewpoint. So I think these arrests 
rather than showing that his power is weakening, I think they just show that his power is as strong as it ever was. Yeah, that's fascinating. And if you step outside of the kingdom, what do low oil prices overall mean for the Middle East region? Yeah, so Saudi Arabia is, of course, you know, the biggest oil producer in uh, the Middle East. But when you think about the whole Middle East region in a period of low oil prices, you're looking at whether you're a producer or a consumer, an importer or an exporter, you depend on oil and gas revenues for your stability um, in some way. So sure, a, a country like Lebanon that imports most of its energy supplies, it might get a discount in a period of low oil prices. But ultimately, Lebanon is still going to suffer because a lot of their expatriates working in wealthy, oil-rich countries, they're going to see a decline in their purchasing power. Investment from wealthier countries is going to start to decline. So really, whether you're an energy-rich country like Saudi Arabia or Algeria or Iraq, or whether you're an energy-poor country like, uh, say, Morocco or Lebanon or Jordan, low oil prices over the course of this year and the doubling down of that because of the COVID-19 pandemic right now, a decreasing demand, all of that's going to have an impact on the Middle East region. And you're going to see economies really struggle because of that. As it pertains to COVID-19 inside the kingdom, what has been the impact? Well, Saudi Arabia has always many, many visitors from all over the globe because it does house so many important pilgrimage sites um, for Muslims around the world. Um, so Saudi Arabia was really trying to clamp down on international visitors coming in and out of the kingdom early on. But of course, as is the case with just about every country, it feels like right now, Saudi Arabia has seen many, many cases, um, hundreds of cases of COVID-19, and they are concerned about their ability to um, have enough hospital beds for the number of patients that we could see over the coming weeks and, and months. And that's not a problem unique to Saudi Arabia, but what is unique to Saudi Arabia is just the amount of international visitors that they do get because of those pilgrimage sites. They've had to shut down visas for uh, that pilgrimage. There was an upcoming uptick in the Umrah pilgrimage that would have been in April. Then you're going to have the Hajj season later in the year. And all of that is up in the air right now. And that also ties back into the economic question. Saudi Arabia benefits economically from tourism dollars that it makes from those visitors. And it's looking like a year where Saudi Arabia is not going to be able to have any of that. Um, and, and that's really going to hurt them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see this play out. Uh, well, thank you, Emily. Thank you, Fred. Stratfor is a leading voice on the geopolitics of Saudi Arabia and its neighbors. You can read more about those topics by subscribing to Stratfor.com. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.